Welcome to Discovering Nutrition with Chronometer. I'm your host and community marketing manager, Elisa, and today I am so happy to have on special guest, Alex Luth. Alex is a dedicated fitness expert with over 15 years of experience and personal training. He holds a degree in kinesiology from Western Washington University and a former CSCS certification. Alex is passionate about helping individuals transform their bodies, elevate their performance, and live healthier lives. On this episode, we sit down with Alex to discuss fitness, where to begin with your training, why working out makes every other activity in your life easier, and how muscle helps us age with both health and vitality. As always, this podcast is for general purposes only and does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including getting medical advice. The use of information from this podcast is at the user's own risk and is not to be substituted for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Let's dive in. So happy to have you on the podcast, Alex. If you could please tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, who you are, that would be great. Sure. Yeah. My name is Alex Luth. I'm a strength coach and fitness influencer. I try to add as much value as I can and give fitness advice on Instagram. And I work with clients one-on-one to help them reach their fitness goals. You have a degree in kinesiology. Is that correct? Yeah. I went to Western Washington University and studied. They they used to call it exercise science, but they switched it to kinesiology like right before I think I started my degree there. I don't know if everyone knows what a kinesiologist does. Could you please explain what it is that you actually do? It's just like a cooler word for exercise science, I I suppose. It's basically the study of movement. So we look at biomechanics, we look at physiology, we look at anatomy, we look at strength and conditioning program design, and we put all those things together. And basically, we're looking at how you move, how does that change the body, the stresses you place on the body. How does that change the body, uh, the physiology? We try to take all all the science and and break it down so it's applicable to to everyday people. And so we can use that in our training, basically. So are you seeing people that want to work with you for body composition purposes? Are you seeing people who are coming to you with injuries? What does your typical client look like or the typical client of a kinesiologist? I know a lot of people they tend to have specializations in the, in the industry. They say, oh, I work with athletes or, or I, I rehab people or I, you know, I work on fat loss. I, I like to consider myself like a generalist. So I like to work with everyone. I've, I've trained professional athletes. I've trained older, older adults. Uh, I train people, you know, that want to fix their shoulder. I train people that want to put on more lean muscle mass or they want to lose some weight, like everyone and anyone is my optimal client, essentially. That's amazing. So you meet with a client and then you assess what their needs are. And then you basically build a program specific to them. And then in your case, are you giving training online? Are you training in person? What does your practice look like? So I started as an in-person trainer. I think my first training was around 2009. (laughs) And I did that for many, many, many years. And I love that because you get to, you get to work with people in person. And I suppose like 
in business, you're not supposed to develop these like strong emotional attachments to your clients because you never know how long you're going to get to work with that person. You know, some people may only get to work with you for a month or a year. I was lucky enough to, to work with people for six years and, and I, I, yeah, and then I moved. I'm sure we could have kept going. Um, but yeah, I get that emotional attachment. So I love working with people in person. But recently, I would say within the last six months, I switched to doing all of my training online. And it's related to my Instagram. So that's basically how people find me is through my fitness reels. And then if they want to work with me, we do a needs analysis. So we basically look at, you know, where are they now? Where do they want to go? So what are their fitness goals? And then we kind of reverse engineer programming from, from there. So any way someone wants to train or change their body, there's a specific way to train for that. And then I also do look at nutrition with them. We talk macros and we talk, you know, what's a BMR and, and we look at nutrition with exercise. I do think that there's this thing in the industry where people believe a trainer is synonymous with a nutritionist, but those are completely different fields. So I try not to prescribe meal plans. What I do is I give people like general tips about nutrition, things that have worked for me and, you know, general ranges about macros. I just do my best to guide them essentially. Yeah. I think that those are two pieces of a puzzle. Obviously they go together obviously working for a nutrition app, we definitely have recommendations that we make within the app, but I know that they can change based on people's goals. And we see that all the time too. So it is absolutely customizable and dabbling with macros and stuff has been super fun for me. I'm sure that that you you yourself uh, have, have yours set up, probably lots of protein. Uh, you and I, before we started recording, we were talking about listening to other podcasts. And I think that we're really seeing all of this knowledge about how strength training is really improving longevity. And Peter Atia, as we both mentioned, we're fans of his work. I think that he's been talking a lot about health span mm-hmm. and, and how that's the number of years you're healthy versus lifespan, which is the number of years that you're alive. And we're just really understanding now how much muscle plays a role in that. Could you speak to that at all? Why people should have muscle and how it helps them age? I would love to, you know, we take like in kinesiology, we literally take a class called dimensions of aging. So it's like, what happens as we age? And one of the major things is sarcopenia. It's the loss of lean muscle mass. So there's a concept it's literally use it or lose it. So with your lean muscle mass, (laughs) If you're not resistance training, basically, if you're not loading your body, stressing it, you will lose lean muscle mass at a significant rate. And that is something that you can prevent with resistance training. You know, older adults, 65 plus, have been shown to increase lean muscle mass and strength with resistance training. So a lot of people think, oh, you know, I'm 40 or like it's too late for me to get started, but it's literally never too late. It's true that the earlier you start, the higher your end capacity for results can be, but starting is always better than never starting. 
I think health span versus lifespan, which what you're talking about there is functionality. So yeah, you can live to be 80 if, if you're very lucky, but your later years, they may be less functional. You may not be moving around. You may not be interacting with family as much as, much as you'd like to. And so that's an important reason to implement a strength training program. So if you're lifting weights, if you're working out, exercising, you're going to have more energy. You literally will have increased mitochondria. You're, you'll, you'll have an improved cardiovascular system. You'll have stronger bones, muscles, you know, tendons, ligaments. And you'll be able to function better and longer so that you can do those things that you want later in life. And it, it's about improving the overall quality of life. It's not just about, you know, living a long time. It's about living a long time with quality. And I think that's, that's something that has always been a major motivator to me with exercise is I didn't just, you know, start lifting to be the most buff person in the world. I think that's a very nice <laughs> benefit, you know, but I'm very family oriented and I want to be living the best life that I can so I can be around and interacting with my family and, and just being functional. I like to, I like to feel healthy and I want to feel that way when I'm older, not, not just when I'm younger. Yeah. You touch on so many points that I, I do want to unpack. One of which is I think that a lot of people don't necessarily look at strength training as something that is going to make their future selves healthier, you know, like we have this conception that I think is changing about what, what that actually does. Like people that go to the gym, they, they do only want to get buff. Like they're, they're not necessarily thinking about what it's going to mean functionally. It's, it's more like a physical thing in terms of appearance. Sure. Like how does the training change for someone who just wants to be healthy longer as opposed to someone who's working on an aesthetic goal? That is probably going to depend upon their ability level, first of all. And, you know, the needs of someone who is looking to build muscle are different than the needs of someone who's just trying to be healthy. So you want to focus on what your personal goals are. So if someone wants to be healthy, it's first of all, just doing anything. Doing anything is much better than doing nothing. And then it's about learning as you go and progressing with your ability level. So if you're just starting out, like do one day a week. Okay, awesome. You know, how did that feel? Learn from that experience. Okay, then, then try to go to two days a week. And then I always tell people that you get what are called like the maximal health benefits from exercise when you hit like three days a week of resistance training. And that's something like, you know, better bone mineral density. You're going to get overall more resiliency. Hopefully you maintain your power. So this is something that a lot of older adults are, are going to struggle with is there's something called the recovery step. So if you trip and you fall when you're an older adult, there is a there is a strong likelihood that that can lead to like a morbid outcome. Which mm -hmm. is, that's you know that's scary, and you can actually reduce 
the likelihood of that happening with resistance training. And you can develop what's called the recovery step. So if you trip, you can get your foot out in front of you so you don't actually fall. And that would be like an increase in power, basically. Someone like someone who's an older adult or, you know, just work, looking to be healthy, you just want to focus on, on the basics, getting your 10,000 steps in, you know, trying to shoot for three days a week. Don't, don't worry about everyone is always so concerned about what is, you know, optimal, like what is the most perfect angle for here, my shoulder, or, you know, it's like, that's great, but, you know, let's look at prioritization, just make it into the gym first. And now for someone who's looking to, for more aesthetics, I mean, that's a, that's a great place to get you started and, you know, excellent form of motivation. But I hope that in time you will learn that there's a lot more to exercise than, you know, purely aesthetics, but that is probably going to be looking at someone who's trying to produce hypertrophy, which is like increasing their lean muscle mass, essentially. And there are many, many different ways to achieve that. And going back to the ability level of someone, you can achieve hypertrophy with, you know, one to six days a week. The newer, so the less trained you are, the less volume you're going to need. As you become more advanced, you, you know, your body adapts, your tolerance to exercise goes up. And you can integrate more days, four days, five days. I personally have been training five to six days with weights for over a decade. Wow. So that's the other thing. I think a lot of people, they were so used to trying to get what we want immediately. And muscle is just one of those things that just honestly takes time. And, you know, muscle memory, I think, is, is a real thing. I actually personally don't hit the gym. I was going to ask you about that. I'm always outside doing stuff like I snowmobile, which is, you know, I'm throwing a 500 pound machine around in the, in the forest out here in BC and I mountain bike a lot and I run. I want to do those things forever. Tell me straight. Should I start <laughs> training in the gym as well? Because for me, I'm, I'm out there for at least an hour, an hour and a half, two hours a day exercising between walking my dog, going for mountain bike ride or running. It just feels like it would be a lot, you know, to, to then also try to get into the gym. Right. Do you think in your professional opinion, I should do something less like, you know, mountain bike one last day and hit the gym? Would something like that be more advantageous, do you think, for, for my overall health? Well, I never want to tell someone to stop doing something that they love, especially if it's, you know, physical activity, it's getting you moving. I think there is an important point here is distinguish the difference between, you know, physical activity, what you're doing, like, you know, walking, snowmobiling, but and structured exercise. Mm -hmm. Those are different things. They don't challenge the body in the same way. Something that I, that I always think about relating to that is okay so you ask someone okay if if you if your life depended on it how long could you walk you know i have a pretty good idea i have a pretty good idea of how long i could walk in flip-flops and rubber boots <laughs> up mountains <laughs> i choose the worst footwear while i exercise <laughs> i like to think quite a while but that's right. my lifestyle but right. so you you can walk a long time how yes. long 
if your life depended on the same scenario, could you lift weights? 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> right. So there's there's like a major separator there. Like what one is a one is physical activity and then one is structured exercise. So those two things are 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 very different. They're both very important. Obviously, this goes back to like what's optimal, what's realistic. Like optimally, you are you're absolutely doing both things to their maximal extent. So your resistance training and you're doing all the physical activity that you love. I would say that you want to do that progressively, you know, built like integrating your weight training one day at a time, see how that works with your schedule, then, then shoot for two. And I always try to have people hit that third day a week. I think that's really interesting just because the culture in BC, do you live in, in the mountains as well, Alex? So I'm from Washington state Okay. and I moved to Phoenix, Arizona almost six years ago. So I spent a lot of time in the mountains mm-hmm. and I spent a lot of time in Canada, actually Western Washington university is in Bellingham. It's within oh. a two hour drive of Canada. So I, we would go up there all the time and uh, I'm actually half Canadian. So shout out to my mom. She was born in Canada. <laughs> yeah. <Go> Canada. <laughs> So yeah, living there and going to school uh, up there, like I've always had a close relationship with Canada. Yeah, the culture here is so different. And that's one of the interesting things about interacting with our users. We are so immersed as a staff into outdoor activity. Like we have climbers, we have mountain bikers, we have road runners, like we have trail runners. Our staff is so diverse. And I think that the the mountain lifestyle is just very active. And I think that most of us are out there playing, moving our bodies as opposed to having structured workouts. So, but that also, you know, works different muscle groups, just like I would say that my my legs, for example, are much stronger because most of my activities are like lower body um, activities. But we do want to be doing this forever. So are there things that we could be doing that would also be better for, you know, good mobility, flexibility? Are those factors in how we age as well? Oh, of course. Yeah. I, and I think it's important for people to know that if you resistance train, you're essentially going to improve any form of physical activity that you engage in versus if you didn't resistance train. So lifting weights is going to make you better at the things that you want to do. And then you can get even more structured in it when you become more advanced and more trained. You, you can look at, okay, what forms of physical activity are you engaging in? And then you can structure your exercise programs around things that are going to change the body so that you perform better in those activities. So that's going back to the needs analysis. So like if you, if you're lifting a 500 pound snowmobile and you actually have to like lift maybe 150 pounds to get it off a rock or something, you might want to look at doing more strength work in a program, you know, or if you're, doing some cross country skiing, you want might you might want to develop more cardiovascular fitness and, and local muscular endurance in your lower extremity. So you can like basically keep that going. So exercise always improves whatever physical activity you want to do. Now the, the question is, do you have enough time and can you recover from everything that you're, you're doing? So it's an, it's an investment <laughs> time for sure. 
I was watching Full Swing, the documentary on Netflix, and I just was in awe of how much things have changed in the last 20 years, just of how we're approaching any sport. You know, these golfers who wouldn't really be something, a sport that you would normally see people in the gym necessarily, they're working out to get the edge to, you know, ultimately like win these tournaments and stuff. And it really does highlight how exercise is important for anything. And I know that when I do go back to the gym, I actually worked at a gym as a teenager. When I get back in there, it does improve, you know, my athletic performance and anything. So I do think, I do think it is important. Where do you think you fall personally in the, in the spectrum? Are you exclusively bodybuilding? Obviously I encourage everyone to go check out Alex on Instagram, a very fit individual for sure. Are you mostly in the gym? Do you also focus on cardio? Tell us about your own training. Sure. Yeah. I, I resistance train five to six days a week. And then I try to have no full days off. So on the seventh day, maybe I'm doing some active recovery and that can look like mobility exercises, core work or cardiovascular exercise. I have a program that integrates mobility. You know, some people think that's synonymous with flexibility. So I'm always working on mobility and circling back to doing things for a longer time. Then I work on strengthening my joints so that, you know, they're healthy and I can continue to resistance strength. And then I will go through different periodizations in my programming. So basically for a set amount of weeks, I'll look at developing hypertrophy. And then I'll look at maybe focusing more on strength. Then I'll focus on power. So like explosiveness for a while. And then I'll go back to hypertrophy. And those are like, those are called micro cycles. They're like basically six to 12 weeks of exercise programming. And you put all those together throughout the year and that creates your macro cycle. So I'm always changing what I do. A lot of people that, you know, make that synonymous with like confusing your musculature, but your, your muscles don't have brains and they also don't have memory. Basically, you're just doing targeted physiological adaptations. And if you do, multiple of them, it makes you better and makes you more well-rounded essentially. So you can in fact gain muscle and produce more hypertrophy if you engage in cardiovascular exercise. A lot of people think that, you know, it kills your gains, but I'm here to tell you that it doesn't. <laughs> um, so I resistance train five to six days a week. And then I love to cycle. I cycle whenever I can. Right now it's 118 degrees in Arizona. So I try to get out in the mornings, but I have, I have to be out by like 5.30 or I'm going to be scorched <laughs> by the sun. So yeah, I like, I like to cycle. I like to hike when it's not so hot out. Things like paddle boarding. But yeah, I would say the majority of my physical activity is centered around resistance training because I know the benefits from that. And I think, you know, this is so funny. One, one of the ways like I stay consistent with my resistance training is like my mentality. I think about it from like being a little kid, like when you didn't want to brush your teeth, you know, 
Yes, I do. It's very relatable. You either love or you hate it. Like, and sometimes you just don't want to do it. You know, you're like, you're tired or or you're like, you're angry. You're you're a kid. You don't want to brush your teeth, but you do it because like, it's good for you and you want nice teeth later. Well, I think of exercise in a similar way. Sometimes it's like, ah, man, I'm tired. I don't want to do this today. Like I, I could, I could do a million other things, but I know it's good for me. And so I'm going to do it anyway. So that's one of the things that keep me going with my resistance training. I think that for me with my exercise, it just got to a point and I hope everyone finds this that is just part of my life. And a lot of that was honestly just a mental restructure from I have to, to I get to, which I know sounds like such a small, insignificant change. But when I wake up and I feel so great in my body and I'm like, I get to go exercise. It's honestly a privilege that a lot of people take for granted. There's a lot of people that don't get to swing both their legs out of bed in the morning. And I'm like, I have, I've been given this able body and I get to go exercise and I never have to convince myself anymore to, to go outside. So for me, like that one little click just changed everything. Yeah. That's a great mentality. And it's kind of like when, when you're sick and you're bedridden and you can't do anything, all you want to do is, is get better and, and, you know, and get, and get moving. So I, I think you have some strong points there. One of the things you mentioned that you do, and I would love to hear what specifically it is, is that you're training for your joint health. What does that look like? (laughs) Well, it depends what joint. So I like to pair different joints with like my primary goal of the day. So let's say I'm going to train a push day, which be like upper body. The primary joint involved involved in pressing is, is like the shoulder joint. And so I would center my mobility or prehab, you know, my injury reduction exercises around the shoulder for that day. And then let's say when I do back, I do a lot of spine stuff, like thoracic spine stretching and mobilizing. And then On my leg days, you have the hips, the knees, and the ankles, basically. So just doing some of these preparatory movements, uh, the mobility exercises can actually prepare you for the exercises that the resistance training that you're going to do later in your workout. So it's kind of like multitasking. You're strengthening your joints. And by that, I mean the muscles and and the ligaments and tendons surrounding them. And simultaneously getting blood flow to the area, making the tissue more elastic, which is going to help you uh, reduce injuries when, when you lift loads. I like the analogy of like a rubber band, essentially. So I like to think of uh, your muscles as a rubber band and like a dry rubber band. Have you ever had one or seen one? You know, if you stress it, it's, it just snaps, right? It's all brittle. And and I like to think of the warm up and these mobility exercises like a brand new rubber band. It gets blood flow to the the local area and it it makes it like a brand new rubber band, like nice and elastic. And and if you're nice and elastic, you're definitely more prepared for resistance training. So first, I basically choose the joint that I'm going to focus on. And then mobility exercises are about taking the joint through 
the active range of motion that you have, you know, capacity to do with minimal pain. So sometimes you might have a little pain and, and working through a little pain can be productive. You don't always want to avoid all pain. Otherwise, you know, problems can reiterate and compound over time. So there's definitely, there's definitely a small pain percentage that you could work into to make you better in the long run. But it's about just using the joint, using it throughout a full range of motion. And then usually with like a low load. So a low load could be like literally the weight of your arm. Like if you're, if you do what's called like circumduction and you just spin your arm 50 times one way, 50 times another way, you'll be surprised. That's going to get a ton of blood flow to your shoulder and, and there's no load there. Then you can do things like adding external resistance, like bungees and, and, and cables and, and weights. And basically you do several different exercises so, so that you stay well-rounded and you use different modalities and you target different joints. And that can help you stay healthier and in the gym for longer. That was literally my next question. <laughs> How long do you think people need to work out to get in a good aesthetic shape, but also good functional shape. Like how much time ideally is an exercise session? That just yet again, depends on the individual's ability level. So where, where, where they are, if you're newer to exercise, you need a lot less time in the gym, both like intra workout time. So like a shorter workout. And then like in general, like zooming out in the week time, you need fewer days. The more well-trained you become, the more time you're going to need in the gym up to a certain extent. It's important that you're able to recover from any training that you do. And that can look like, yeah, like I said, five or six days a week. I, I'd never recommend training all seven with, with weights. You got to respect your body and you got to listen to it. That's something that I'm a big fan of as getting in tune with your body and, and like knowing the difference between muscle soreness and, and potential like joint soreness, like what does an itis feel like versus like, I'm just fatigued from exercise. This is delayed onset of muscular soreness, listening to your body. And you can, there's many cues that you can use like energy level, overall fatigue, uh, like, a really classic strength coach trick is to like shake your client's hand every morning and you can see like their grip strength. And if it's like weaker, sometimes you may know that you might need to back off. That's like some next level nerdy stuff. But <laughs> that's just an example of like, if you're recovering or not. I think that the rest day thing can be such a challenge. I wear an Apple watch. And anyone who's familiar with Apple, okay, yeah, oh, Team Apple. It's really hard for me because I'm a very competitive person, mostly with myself, honestly, to close the rings. And I can't believe they haven't incorporated something yet that allows you a rest day, you know, because. Oh, yeah, it's just, it's just go hard every day. Well, yeah. You, well, you can set, you know, your goals. So I recently got mine. I, I've literally only had about a month right now. Uh, but you can set your, your target, you know, your calories expended 
be a physical activity, which which are different than your BMR, you know, just being alive. And you can you can set that high, high or low, and yeah, you can track your steps. But it is fun seeing the rings close. I'm sure that's like a major, like a little Vegas addictive casino kind of thing they got going on in there. But yeah, you you need to recover absolutely. Yeah, you know your training is only as good as your recovery because if you're not recovering, you're not you're not going to progress. Yeah, we we've gamified nutrition tracking a little bit. And I think that that's one of the things that people love about chronometer is just like the all targets people want to hit like 100% of their targets oh, yeah, all the time. It. Yeah, me too. It's so rewarding. <laughs> and then we have a streak feature as well, which I'm, like I said, I'm very, very competitive. So now I'm, now that we have the streak feature, I'm like, I will not let my streak die, <laughs> which is maybe not the best mentality, but I think that rest days, are you saying then that rest days should be structured you know like it sounds like you've structured your rest days that you do five or six days but should people be listening to their body and just like I'm not feeling it today I shouldn't go or do you think that having a set rest day is better that's a slippery slope because that <laughs> turn into every single day <laughs> <laughs> right uh, I think that your ability level is going to dictate that a lot because listening to your body is a skill it's, you know, it's something that you have to learn. Uh, you have to pay attention to the feedback mechanisms that you're getting. So I think when you're first starting out, having some structure is going to help a lot of people. So, you, you, you know, you're shooting for two to three days a week, and then you're planning the rest as off days. Then the more training time you get, you start to realize, okay, this is what a workout feels like. This is what the first day after a workout feels like. This is what the second most typically most painful day is, you know, of recovering from the DOMS. And then on the third, you're feeling a lot more recovered. And so listening, listening to your body in that way, knowing when, when something is feeling uh, fatigued and maybe slightly more prone to a strain or an itis, you know, knowing when to back off, that's a skill. So I think I think structuring it at, in the start is definitely the way to go. I know that one of the things with all this wearable technology, and I've honestly worn so many different wearables, I've worn Fitbits and Aura Rings and Whoop, and now I'm on Apple Watch. They're all great. But I think they're kind of, they're, they're giving us so much data, and which I think is very important. I, I should say first that I learned so much about my heart and my sleep through tracking. But it's also kind of taking away how I feel about my body, because a lot of these things are, are putting out like there's body battery, there's recovery rate. And I'm looking at numbers, which are based on, you know, heart rate variability and my heart rate and the hours I slept and my exercise the day before. There's all these factors, but I'm feeling less intuitive about how I feel in my own body because I'm basically like, well, Apple is telling me this, so maybe I shouldn't train or whoop is telling me this, I should take a rest day. And I've kind of lost sight of how I feel. So I'm getting to the point now where I'm like assessing when I wake up, how rested I feel and then looking at the data. Do you see people struggling with that at all? Or have you struggled with that at all? I, I can 100% understand, you know, what, what you're experiencing, and it's easy to get lost in, in all the data too. And I would certainly say 
if you're new, do your best. And it's hard because, you know, social media, we're just getting all, we're getting all this information. Just do your best to break it down to the most simple steps possible. So like, did you get into the gym this, you know, that day? Did you get into the gym twice in a week? And then like, as you're learning, then you can listen more to the data and, you know, like what your resting heart rate is and, you know, your, your sleep, sleep quality. But it's like, try not to get caught up in the specifics until you're kind of familiar with the basics and the fundamentals. A lot of people love, you know, data, data optimization, but it's like, start micro. You know, I mean, start, start macro and then work your way to the micro, you know, what order of operations, like what's, what's most important to focus on first. I think it, I think it's easy to let those things get out of hand, you know. How does someone even start Alex? Like, I know from watching a ton of your reels, one of the things that you do that's very unique is you put a whole bunch of different movements on like a single reel. And that's <laughs> it, it, that's so cool. It's very oh, yeah. well done. If someone just wants to start, they, they're listening to this, they're inspired by you. How do they even begin to start incorporating strength training? That's, that's a fantastic question because I love, you know, I've worked with many people who have never done anything. And I think that just getting into the gym, literally doing whatever you can comfortably with reduced risk of injury is better than doing nothing. It's so easy to overthink of it. But we all know what a body weight squat is. We all know what a kneeling push-up is. You just need to get into the gym, start moving, focusing on full body workouts. You know, you don't need to hammer only chest if you're just starting out. <laughs> Besides, like a couple sets of push-ups, you're going to be done anyway. So it's like, just get in the gym, do literally whatever you feel comfortable doing with reduced risk of injury, and then learn as you go. Add different exercises as you go, but try to keep everything centered around the fundamentals. It's easy to get lost in all, all these wild Instagram exercises. And yeah, some reels all have, all have nine different exercises and they're all different leg exercises. So you know, what do you do? If you're getting lost in, in that, just go to the fundamentals. We know what a bodyweight lunge is. We know what a squat is. If you can't do a pull-up, you can hang from a bar, you know, regress movements, progress movements as you gain more skill and as you gain more capacity for exercise. I think that even just from working at a gym years ago, there is this kind of fear of going in, being completely uncomfortable in the elements and just starting, you know, like I've definitely seen people wandering around looking like, what do I, like there, it, it can be overwhelming. Like, what do I do? And I think that that's where things like the reels that you make are so helpful for people getting started because it gives them something to actually go in and do. 
what do you think about working out at home versus working out in the gym? Do you think that anyone could obtain the same level of performance if they're working out at home? Probably depends on as what, you know, as, as what is your end goal? Always something is better than nothing. So if you're, if you're not going to go to the gym, but you will work out at home, work out at home, get after it. You know, usually people can be restricted at home to just body weight exercises, which is fantastic. And that, that's actually what I would recommend only for someone who's a beginner. You know, you need to learn to master fundamental movements before you add load to them. So like get familiar with a body weight squat before you're squatting with the weight, you know, it seems intuitive, but everyone wants to go like, you know, next level explosive pushups. Like, okay, let's just work on the basics first. So if you're at home focusing on body weight movements, fantastic. If you have access to some dumbbells, uh, then you can start to add those external loads and that's going to progress you well. The, the problem is with progressive overload. So, you know, you do need to continually challenging, challenge your body with stimulus to produce more results. A problem from working at home might be that you've gotten a great deal of fitness, uh, you know, and you need more load, different types of weights to introduce new stimulus so that you continue to progress with overload. I mean, there are a ton of tricks that you could do, like eccentrics and, you know, increasing your time under tension. But but at some point, you're probably going to want to get into the gym. I highly recommend that. Also, there's massive psycholo- psychology components to working out. There's There's something to be said about, you know, leaving your house, which is your safe, you know, your safe place where you feel comfortable and like going to the gym. So when you're on your way to the gym, you're entering a new mindset, you know, I'm going there to work, to, to train. There's probably less distractions there than at home where you have like TV and food and, and kids or dogs or what, whatever you have going on, you know, the gym, you can enter a mentality or right, I'm here to go to work, you know? Everyone usually has a phone, so that you know that's its own thing. But there's something to be said about leaving that space. So I, I think, yeah, if you can start at home and then just like everything related to exercise, try to progress it and make your way into the gym and learning how to be comfortable being uncomfortable, you know, physically but psychologically. Like you may not know what to do in the gym, and you know, there's going to be other people watching just remember that you're there for yourself and that you're there to better yourself and it doesn't matter what anyone thinks you know 10 years from now you'll probably never see those people again but your health will matter so you got to do what's important for you and that's a challenge not worrying you know about you know other people but I would highly recommend it. When when I was first starting, I didn't know literally anything. And I just did what I'm telling people to do. It's like go in there and just start doing stuff <laughs> and see how it feels. I, Instagram did not exist when I started. And I don't, I don't know how old YouTube is, but now 
Um, <laughs> it, it probably wasn't around either. So like we didn't have the access to information. So I was just testing out, okay, what's this bicep curl action? You know, what, what's a dumbbell lunge like? And then you're just learning and you're like, you overdo it and you're like, okay, I'm going to dial it back a little bit. And yeah, you probably like don't look Instagram cool or famous or whatever in the moment. But that all just circles back to like, why am I doing this? Oh, it's so that I feel better and I function better. And yes, like aesthetics can be like a cool side bonus. But I like to focus on a little bit of everything. Yeah, it's what's under the hood. It's not the it's not it's not the body lines of the vehicle, right? Just a couple more questions. One is about pain. How do you know, and this is incredibly subjective and I understand that, but how do you know what is pain from a movement that you're doing correctly and what is your body saying, stop this now? Like, how do people know what to push through versus what when to stop? Yeah, that's, that's going to be a challenging one because that's going to be different for everyone. And I'm also like not their physician. So mm -hmm. if you're having pain and you're concerned, I would highly recommend going to your doctor and discussing that pain. Mm -hmm. Now, that being said, I will, I will try to explain, you know, discomfort from challenging exercise and pain. So when you're lifting weights, you start to get a burn, you know, you get discomforting. It's not like a fun feeling. It just feels like a little bit burn. But when you are maybe putting your joints in a suboptimal position and you're feeling pain, that can be like more like a pinching feeling or a pressure spot. Whereas like a working out pain might be more like a general burn. That's like, yet again, when circling back to the skills, like getting to know your body, like being able to distinguish what is what, that's a skill. And that comes with experience too. So, you know, when in doubt, do not try to just force through any sort of pain. Try to assess, you know, what's going on. Is it, is it like a burn feeling? Is it like a pinching, throbbing? Does it go away when you stop doing the exercise or does it you know, linger. Those are multiple keys that you probably want to consider. Or hiring a professional and working with them as well. You know, like get someone that can actually watch your movements and have an idea if you're doing something yeah, right or not. Technique is critical when performing the majority of exercises. Yeah. Learn that the hard way. Oh, no. <laughs> Had to crawl out of a gym basically before. Uh, the last question if you could give, all of our listeners and chronometer users, one thing to do to make their lives better today, what would you encourage them to do? The number one thing is always going to be resistance training. Mm -hmm. Lift weights, get comfortable being uncomfortable. So it, you can literally live longer by lifting weights. Lifting weights is better than any medicine available. It is the pinnacle. There's no secret. It's just hard work. So you got to get in there and put the work in. And I want to further reiterate, yeah, it's not just about how you look. 
there's there are many many other things going on in their physiology so for example something something to think about is exercise can literally increase blood flow to your brain so you can potentially reduce the risk of alzheimers by resistance training like when we were in school and they said oh yeah this is a possible condition this is a possible condition you know heart disease they 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 name a million things somehow the answer was always yeah but exercise can reduce your risk for that and you're like at some point you're like okay so this is the pinnacle <laughs> yeah so if if your listeners could do anything i would say get in the gym start lifting weights don't worry about being perfect at it. Start with one day, go to two, try to shoot for three. If you're doing more than three, you're killing it. You're probably overachieving. Fantastic. But yeah, be active. That's great advice. So people listen to this podcast. They love everything you said. Obviously it was all so great. Where can they find you on all of the social channels or how yeah. does someone work with you? They can check out my Instagram. So it's Alex underscore Luth. My last name is L-U-E-T-H. They can literally click the link in my bio. And from there, there's a couple links. I have just programs available if, you, if you're not sure what to do in the gym and you want some guidance or they can look into working with me one-on-one. -on -one. They can also just go to alexluth dot com and i have everything they'll need there amazing we'll absolutely drop that in the show notes as well alex this has been a pure pleasure i feel like i've learned a lot mostly that i need to get my butt into the gym though so <laughs> yeah. next I'll next see. next time we speak i'll be there three days a week or maybe four we'll see I love it. thank you so much for <laughs> thanks so much for your time have a great day